Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Again, good evening, and to those who are watching online, Melissa Morgan, good to see you. Uh, we have a new friend from across the pond in Scotland watching, so thanks for joining us from across the pond. I'm not even going to try to do a Scottish accent. We're glad that you're here watching us. And uh, the Groats, I know, are home as well watching, and my mom, and anyone else who's joining us online or later. Uh, we're glad to see you and glad you could be here tonight. But yeah, we're in this series called As It Is in Heaven. Jesus tell the, told us to pray here on earth as it is in heaven. We want the Lord's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And our prayer should be, hey, God, let it be here in Maple Grove as it is in heaven. Let it be in Crystal, in New Hope, in Rogers, in Dayton, in Corcoran, wherever we might live as it is in heaven. So how do we live that out? We've been kind of, this is a series on our five purposes. And so two weeks ago, Molly kicked us off on the value of Jesus changes everything. And that's really the foundation, the heartbeat of our church. We believe that Jesus can change anything and everything in our lives. And if we believe that, why wouldn't we share that news with others? That's really the value of evangelism. And then last week we looked at that everyone has a next step. We're always journeying, never arriving. There's always a next step that we can take to become more like Jesus, to become the people that he's designed us to be. And so that's really the value of discipleship. We're seeing how are we growing, how are we taking the next step that we learn best by doing. Tonight, we're looking at the value of community, that everybody needs somebody, that everybody needs somebody. And I think everybody needs somebody who owns a cabin, amen? And so my friend, Pastor Ben at Northridge Church, they were one of the churches that helped plant us. Pastor Ben has a cabin, and this is like the sixth year, I think we figured out, since 2018, we've been going up to his cabin. He lets us go up for a couple nights uh, in August, and our kids love it. It's one of the highlights of their summer. So we were just doing that this last Thursday through this morning, which, hey, isn't that a nice blessing of afternoon church that you can go up for the weekend? Like, we were at the cabin this morning, uh, you know, and then we packed up and came back here, and now we get to be with you all in service, and that is a blessing of afternoon church. But everyone needs somebody who has a cabin, and so we are up at Pastor Ben's uh, cabin this weekend, and it was a really great time, refreshing. And then last night, Kristen took some of our kids out kayaking, and his cabin's kind of on this peninsula, and, and their cabin faces east, so you get to see the sunrise, but you don't get to see the sunset. So she kind of had kayaked around the peninsula to the other side, and she's like, wow, it's a beautiful sunset. So she came back, and she's like, hey, take Josh and just walk across to the other side of the peninsula. It's a very narrow peninsula, and see the sunset. So like, come on, Josh, let's go. So, so we walk across, and really, it's, it's like a, a line of houses or cabins, one road, and then a line of cabins. So very, very close by. So we're like, sure, we cross the quick the little road, go over, and we can see, like, the cabin that's, you know, right behind Ben's, really, is kind of packed up. Like, you know, the furniture's upside down, so no one's clearly there. Oh, cool. Let's go into their backyard. We'll get a picture on their dock of the sunset. So we walk back there. We notice their neighbors are out, you know, kind of on their dock. And so we get there, take a picture, and look at the sunset. Wow, this is beautiful. 
Then I look over at these neighbors, and their neighbor is standing there, true story, holding a shotgun. And he looks at me, and he cocks it. And I was like, ah, nice picture. Josh, let's go back. So I don't know. But I was thinking everyone needs somebody to look out for their neighbor's property, right? Like, they got some good neighbors, I guess. It was, I don't know what he was doing, if he already had the gun out or whatever. Uh, so I'm going to prize that um, uh, photo of that sunset. But I was like, everyone needs somebody in their lives to get their back. Clearly, these are some good neighbors who are really looking out for the cabin. They knew we didn't belong there. But, but truly, everyone needs somebody. That's what we say. It doesn't matter how introverted you are, how shy you are, Everybody needs somebody. You need somebody in your corner. Research shows that social isolation, that when we're by ourselves too much, actually weakens the immune system and makes someone more likely to suffer from a variety of ailments, including Alzheimer's, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. This is a real things. When we don't have meaningful friendships, we suffer consequences, whether we realize it or not. One of the things that we live in isolation, we can kind of lose a good perspective on life. Our lows tend to be lower and our highs tend to be higher. Our point of view gets clouded and things tend to seem worse. Um, hang on, my phone is going crazy, so I, I need to silence it right now. Stop it. There you go, theater. Okay, no more text coming through. All right, we can lose perspective quickly uh, uh, when, when we don't have people around us. Uh, you think about it from a perspective. What does Jesus call us? We're, we are his sheep. He's our shepherd. And oftentimes, uh, sheep are attacked when they become isolated from the rest of the flock. Sheep are rarely attacked when they're in that big flock, but you know, the predators will try to pick them off when they're by themselves. And the same thing, our enemy likes to pick us off, not when we're well attached to a flock, but when we're feeling more isolated on our own. Um, and oftentimes, disconnected people can even be more selfish. If the sum total of a person's life is dictated by his schedule, his agenda, his needs, his desires, chances are he's going to suffer from a good dose of selfishness. Over time, a disconnected person becomes self-absorbed, just all about them and, and what they want. So what do we do about this epidemic of loneliness that's going on, that people are still disconnected, they're going, 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 without true, deep friendships? Well, again, there's lots of things we could do. You could join a CrossFit gym. I've seen some people do this. It gives you some kind of community, but your walk with Jesus may not grow. You could have your tens, kids in tons of different sports, get to know the other parents as you travel to weekend tournaments. But are you going to be that vulnerable sitting with someone in, you know, in the stands watching your kids play sports? You could have a weekly Dungeons and Dragons or, or Magic group or a bowling league or any number of things you could have community, and those are all good but I don't think that's going to help you grow spiritually and in your walk with Jesus as well as having that kind of community that's going to be there for you. So I think one thing that sets Christians apart from anyone else is doing life truly with people and, and, and showing up who you are and allowing people into your life and, and really this, you know, crossing all kinds of barriers. Uh, one of our core scriptures as a church comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I love this text. This is really describes the early church and how they lived. And we use this as a roadmap for our church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'm going to read now the NLT version. I think the scriptures will also be up here. Uh, it says Acts 2, 42 through 27, uh, 47. As all the believers do devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
unto fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This text, uh, the story of the early church was written by a guy named Luke. He was a doctor, Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke has paid one of the highest compliments in the New Testament. Paul, he's the church planter who established a lot of the early churches. He wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Uh, it says that, that, that at one point, that everyone in Paul's life was gone and, and had kind of abandoned him, except for Dr. Luke, who wrote this. And I love that. Everyone gives up on Paul, but Luke is still there. Everyone goes home, Luke is there. Luke's the one who's going to prison to visit Paul and asking him, hey, Paul, how are you doing? I'm here for you, man. One time uh, in the book of Acts, we see Paul is shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's adrift on the open sea. And there is Dr. Luke hanging out on a piece of wood next to him like, I'm still here with you, Paul. I'm here to the bitter end. And Dr. Luke decided, hey, I'm going to serve Paul. I'm going to help Paul. I'm going to be his traveling companion, his researcher, his friend, his helper, his personal physician to faithfully serve Paul. And here's the thing. I tell us in the body of Christ, God calls us to be like Paul's, preaching, teaching kids back there in kids' ministry, in preschool ministry, hosting a community group, you know, leading a community group, leading a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, doing those kind of things. Some of you might be called to be more Dr. Luke, where you're not up front leading those ministries, but you're coming alongside and serving those who are teaching in kids' ministry, who are teaching up here, who are leading small groups, leading community groups. Neither one is more holy in God's eyes. We need both those who are teaching and leading, hosting community groups, leading women's Bible study, as well as those who come alongside faithfully and serve them. Because everybody needs somebody. <laughs> every pastor, every leader, every teacher needs people like Dr. Luke, who come alongside them, supporting them, encouraging them. And here's what ancient church tradition tells us about Dr. Luke. I love this. He died at the age of 84. If that's true, uh, it's very old. So clearly he was a good doctor. He took care of himself. But it says he died at the age of 84, full of the Holy Spirit. How good is that? That's your description. Like, what a great line. I think that's how I want to be described. Long after we're gone, right? Like, they served the Lord faithfully. They died at a good old age, full of the Holy Spirit. That's how church tradition describes Dr. Luke. And, and Dr. Luke writes this passage about the early church. And again, I think this is a roadmap for us. Believers meeting and living together, not just on Sundays in some church building, but they, they met together throughout the week, learning how to live out the way of Jesus in every aspect of their life. And the early church met in larger groups like this, but they also met in smaller groups in homes. And we talk about this. That we, we need both rows and circles. We need rows as a time to come together to worship to remember the, the, the Lord's Supper in communion, to receive instruction and teaching. And we also need circles. And we say circles are better than rows. They're both good, but circles are better than rows because your row doesn't know when you're going through some stuff, when you're struggling, when you're barely hanging on. So we need these circles. Being a disciple of Jesus means orienting our lives towards others, 
not just facing forward, but facing towards each other for the sake of others. And for true community and friendships to flourish, there must be openness, honesty, and loyalty. We must be willing to come out from behind our masks and religious jargon and get to know each other truly. And what we see here in this text is there's three places that Christians met. In the large gatherings on a regular basis, they met in homes and one-on-one. And so that's how we patterned our church. We come together on a regular basis in, in larger groups. We also meet in, in smaller communities throughout the week in our, in our uh, community groups. And then one-on-one, whether that's through the Green Book or just having a coffee or taking a walk, those are all good. Now, here's the thing I think it's important whenever we talk about community, just to set this kind of uh, as, as, as a baseline. And this was so helpful for me a couple of years ago when, when someone described to me this example that we're all like Legos, that we all have different sized Lego connectors. Now, some of us, I, t- I talked to a pastor at Plymouth Covenant Church. He has a bigger Lego connector than me, which I haven't met many people. It must be like a 50-person Lego connector because he has five to six weekly groups that he meets with like Bible studies, uh, community groups, each week of like 10 people. And I was like, that's like 50 people each week that he meets with. And he, he loves Bible studies and community groups, things like that, right? Some of you, all you need in life is one person. Like some of our key leaders in our church, all they need is their spouse and they're good or their business partner or something, right? That's all they need. Their level connector is two and it's full. So I think it's good to acknowledge, hey, we all have different size connectors. Some of us can have lots of friendships in our life. Some of us only a few. And then when it's full, it's full. And so we need to create opportunities to allow spaces for people to connect um, uh, on those Legos. So, and here's the thing is our community groups are also like Legos. Each community group can only handle so many people. And so if our community groups are absolutely full and each community group Lego is full, we can say, what are we gonna do to help people who aren't connected to be able to connect? So that might mean, hey, we need a new Lego connector. It might mean taking some of these connectors off here, put them over here, because we want to always have space for people to come in who want to get connected and find friendships. Amen? So that's what we want to do. All right, so let's go down to just Acts 2.42 in particular. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. They devoted themselves to these four things. Number one, to biblical teaching. I think it's good to come together on a regular basis to hear from God's word, but then not just hear it, but then to discuss it. So that's why the heartbeat of our groups have been, through the course of Mosaic, what we call sermon-based small groups. So why do we do that? Well, the reason behind that is that then you can hear some biblical teaching on Sunday, and then you can then discuss that same text and go deeper. This fall, we're going to be finishing up our study of Genesis, and we'll look at the life of Joseph. Again, there's so much in there. We're going to, it's like 12 chapters. I'm not going to be able to cover all 12 chapters. But in your community group, you can figure out, hey, in this chapter, Eric kind of covered this, but let's go down deeper into this, and what does the Scripture say about this? In October and into early November, we're going to study the book of Galatians for six weeks. Again, we're going to try to cover a whole chapter on a Sunday. I can't do a whole chapter of Paul in Galatians. So I might just hit on one or two things. But then in your community group, hopefully in your own time, you've been studying it, you've been wrestling with it, and you come together as a group. And there's something, I think, powerful knowing, hey, our whole church, we're discussing the book of Galatians. What does it mean to be set free in Christ? And there's power in that. And so we, they devote themselves to biblical teaching. Second, they devote themselves to fellowship. 
the Greek word here, koinonia. It's not just like uh, passing relationships, but it's true fellowship, true connection, true friendship, where you really get to know each other. Here's the thing about community groups, too, and being a community is sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find that group where you really feel like you fit. And so if you've tried a group and it was good, there's nothing wrong with then trying a different group this fall. We said this in our partners meeting. Like, it's okay to try different groups or even if in a season you're just like, you know what, this was a great season, but now I want to try being in community with some different people. Like, that's totally okay. Like, like, we shouldn't have any hard feelings about that. Like, hey, different seasons, we need different people in our lives. And just naturally, in a church, we're going to connect with different people. The hope is that in your community group, there's one or two people that you can really connect with. That you really feel like, hey, I could text this person. We could go out for coffee. We could talk. You know, that, that there's somebody in your life that you can connect with on a deeper level. They also devote themselves to sharing meals. That's why we kind of changed our community groups up about two years ago to try to have a meal each week. That's what the early church did. I think there is something that when we're eating together, we really get to know each other. And I know, it's chaotic, it's crazy. Like our Thursday night group last year, if all the kids showed up, we had 23 kids, 16 adults. It was mad chaos in the beginning, trying to get kids fed and stuff. But it's so good to be able to do that, to share a meal together. So over the summer, we've been doing a lot of sharing meals. We want to still do that once a month. So it's like, why do we want to keep doing these potlucks? Well, I think it is good. You have your weekly community group you're going to be doing meals with. But then what I want to encourage you is when we do our potlucks on the first Sunday of the month, hey, maybe sit down and, you know, share a meal with someone that isn't in your community group. And that's fine if you really want to, because I know that we're closer to those people. But get to know someone you wouldn't normally get to know. Someone that, hey, you know, I don't really know you. Um, to me, it just it so bums me out when I find out people who've been in church together for two, three, four, five years have never had a conversation. We're a pretty small church. I'm like, man, that's so sad. So let's use opportunities to, again, I know we got kids, we got to feed them, but hey, can you meet someone new, talk to someone on those once a month meals? And because, you know, it says sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, that's why we continue to do communion the first Sunday of the month, same Sundays we have potluck Sunday. So that's, hopefully that's easy to remember. Potluck Sunday, first Sunday of the month, communion, first Sunday of the month. We're sharing a meal, including communion together. Uh, and the fourth thing is prayer. Our goal really is that we spend some time in prayer in all our community groups. Not just sharing prayer requests, but actually praying for each other. My hope and desire as your pastor is that in our community groups, we spend more time praying than we do sharing our prayer requests. And I know that can be tough sometimes, but like let's, let's actually pray for each other um, because what's easy is just to talk about our problems with each other and then say a quick like wrap-up prayer. Like, I get it. That's way easier. But let's actually pray together. And that's one way we can grow in that spiritual discipline of prayer is that when we're doing it in our community groups, in our small groups, that, hey, okay, I'm going to pray for the person next to me or whatever it might be and be able to all, as a church, grow in our ability to pray. The goal is that everyone comes to, whether it's a community group, Sunday night, uh, Bible study, that everyone comes ready to participate. And ideally what we want is no spectators. <laughs> no spectators, in particular in our community groups. Like come bring something to share for food. Come ready to pray. Come that you've done your work ready to engage in the conversation. That, you know, uh, if, if you know, hey, we're discussing Galatians chapter 2, you've done the work of listening to the sermon. If you're in kids' ministry, listen to the podcast. 
you know, 1.5 speed, 2.0 speed, right? Like get through it quickly, at least to get something. Read the chapter scripture. You know, look over the questions when I email them out on, on Mondays when you get back into that, that, that rhythm. If you're an introvert and you're not great on thinking on your feet, like read the questions and jot down a few answers so that even in your community group when someone, hey, what do you think about this? You can at least read your answer, right? Like that's something that like come ready to discuss, come prepared. You're not just a spectator wanting to, to just kind of consume, right? We don't want to just be consumers. We want to be contributors. Now, I got to admit, as I was thinking about teaching on this, I was talking with Kristen, and I was like, I'm a little stumped on preaching on this topic, and I'm going to share a little bit some of the things. Because honestly, we've had you know, close to 95 to 100% of our people in community groups. So trying to convince you to join a community group, most of you have. So like, give yourselves a hand, well done, like you're doing that. There's a few of you who haven't, and I'm not gonna make eye contact with you because I don't want you to feel bad. That's totally okay, right? Like we, we understand that, it's totally fine. Um, uh, but so as I thought about that, I was like, okay, we gotta we got address like the baseline, like, why do we do this? Like, like we gotta understand the why before we, we do the what. And again, a lot of us have done this. So I think we, we've done an awesome job, again, like, there were some weeks this last year we had more people in community groups than we did on a Sunday. Praise God. I'd rather have you <laughs> commit to your community group and go to that on a regular basis than even coming to this. Because that's where people are really going to know each other. Um, uh, but, but So let, we're kind of going from the baseline to kind of the next level, right? And so the next level in this is that when we go through the Green Book, we say if, if we shoot for community... Rarely do you get mission then. But if you shoot to say, hey, we are in mission together for a purpose, if we shoot for that, we'll get community as a great byproduct. So what I want to think for our community groups is that we aren't just coming together for community, but we are coming together as, as sons and daughters of Christ on mission together. Amen? And everybody needs somebody. And I think about how important these groups have been for us and, and just and going beyond just providing some little bit of community. I think about our Tuesday night community group. And, and some of them have been together for a long, long time. And then they've added a couple, like the Hedbergs, just here recently. And I was, I was talking to one of them uh, in their group and just the way of God's providence Emily lost her dad two years ago. And she's in a small group with Rachel, who lost her mom just a few months ago. Also in a small group with Lauren, who lost her dad a few weeks ago. Three women in the same group who've lost a parent in the last two years. I think there's a... That God put them together for a purpose. Because everyone needs somebody when it's hard, when it hurts. And like, there's real pain. We were kind of joking before a service that like, life is, it's like, life is harder than you die. And that's the story of like, right? <laughs> yeah, but God is with us, right? It doesn't mean we won't go through hard times. But everybody needs somebody 
when you do go through those tough times. And I also think about, though, like, when we went to celebrate with Matt and Lauren, the adoption of their girls just a couple weeks ago, and, like, who was there with them? A good chunk of their community group. And, like, man, everyone needs somebody when you're celebrating, when you're excited for the high, high points. I think about our Wednesday night community group and Tallis and Stephanie moving in the last year and a half, two years, from Indiana. And Brent and Sandy in the last year and a half, two years, moving from California. And they're in the same community group. And, and they're assimilating to culture and how weird Minnesotans are and how passive aggressive we are. We don't say what we really think. At least they have each other in the community group, right? They're not natives. And they, they know, yeah, they need each other. And then when Tall and Stephanie get a house and they pester Brent all the time with questions about what can we do, like, right? God knew everybody needs somebody. Everyone needs a Brent in their life where they can, you know, ask him questions and, hey, what, what do we do about this, right? Do I have the right tools? Like, but they're in that group for a purpose. And, and I think about people in their group in life stages that are so different, in their 20s, in their 50s, in their 60s, you know, that normally they would not ever go out for dinner together. They probably would never share a meal. But the gospel brings people together who otherwise have nothing in common. I think that's beautiful. I think about our Thursday night community group, right? And like, with all these kids and stuff, and, 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 and Barry was without work for a long time, and Barry needed a job, and Dylan, new manager, and needed to hire someone, and Dylan was able to hire Barry, and now they work together. And, and, and I think about our community group and how me and Troy and Jesse are all in the same community group, and two years now being able to coach baseball together and, and with our boys and do this life, like not just on Thursday nights, but in community together. And I think there's a reason and a purpose for that and we were able to invest in the last two summers into lives of boys in Maple Grove, like for a purpose. Because it's not just about coming together for community, like that's good, but like everybody needs somebody, that's also the people that are out there, right? Like people who are hurting and broken, and, and like, like we need each other, like there's a reason that, that, that we have each other. And I just love the gospel brings people together who otherwise have nothing else in common. Because sometimes I know, I'll get, I'll get feedback saying, like, hey, like, what, what, what community group can I, can I join because I'm, not, I'm in a different life stage? You know, uh, I'm so different than everybody else. And, and I get that. Like, I understand, like, we are a church that has a lot of married people and a lot of kids. Like, I get that, and it's harder to connect. Um, but also, like, the church, the gospel does bring us together. We don't have those things. And so what, what I want to do, though, is acknowledge, like, Yes, the gospel brings us together, but I think church too, we can do a little better job with that. We've had a couple people just leave our church recently. One, a single lady who just said, you know, I just, I'm just not feeling connected. And it's really hard as someone who's not married and no kids. And we've got another couple without kids who are visiting some other churches and are thinking about, you know, plugging in somewhere else. Because again, for them, it's like, hey, it's just really hard to get connected and not be a parent. And so my heart breaks for that. So on one hand, I'm like, 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 we don't all have to be in the same life stage and all be parents and, and married because the gospel brings us together, but also church, can we do a little better? I don't, those aren't quick, easy answers. I don't know what that is, but I think it's all looking for the left out on potluck Sundays and saying, hey, who do I see 
that I can go sit with them and talk with them? Who is sitting alone on a Sunday afternoon? Like, like are we looking for the left out? Are we looking for those who it may be harder to connect because they're not in the exact same life stage as, as the majority of our church? Now, I get it. Like, we naturally want to connect with those who are most like us. But as I was preparing this message and just praying about it and thinking, like, yeah, we do a great job getting people into community groups than most of us, but, right, we can always take that next step. Church, can we do a little better at reaching out to people that are different than us? The people who don't have kids or maybe grown kids, people who aren't married or those who were married and aren't married anymore. Just something to think about. Again, there aren't easy answers to this, but I, I would like us to, to grow in that. And see, the result of mission is always joy. Again, if we get together just for community's sake, it'll just be like an insider's club. But if we say, hey, no, we're coming together to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, because we're on mission in a fallen and broken world, and how are we going to make an impact? The result of that is going to be joy. There's joy in mission, because there's a link between joy and being sent. Paul tells us that Christ went to the cross because of the joy set before him. He knew his mission. He knew why he was here, and that gave him joy because he saw the end result of people being welcomed into his family. And some of you, maybe, you're wondering why life feels a little tasteless, a little joyless, because you aren't living on mission. But we are created for greater things than just going to the cabin of just being with well-behaved kids. Like We we exist for a purpose, for a mission. Next week, when we have our block party and we do some, you know, Facebook marketing or something, like, we are sent out there. Like, how can we, are there people in our lives we can invite? Hey, come to this. Like, like how can we share the gospel? If we believe Jesus changes everything, how are we living in such a way that that we we are extending that invitation to others? Because we were made, we were created for greater things than just, just hanging out with just in little holy huddles. And, and I believe we're going to feel more joy and passion when we realize, hey, we're on mission. And, and in our community groups if, if, this fall, when we gather together and say, like, hey, how are you living out your gospel calling? You know, you, you know how, are you showing love to your neighbor in some way and to your coworkers? Is there someone, you know, your kids, friends, you know, parent that you can reach out to connect with? I don't know what that is, but how can you, you know, know that you are one of the sent ones? You, we're here to make a difference. And that's what I'd like to see for our community groups. Uh, We've done a great job getting plugged in, but how can we take that to the next level and say, hey, we're on mission. Now, that may look like you go feed my starving children or do food drives, that kind of stuff. That's totally fine. But I mean even more than that, just the everyday ordinary, walking with Jesus, loving our neighbors, getting to know those in our apartment buildings, uh, our coworkers, those different people. Like, Like, how can we be more sent? As I wrap up, I want to cover something again and some of the series is just is good reminders of who we are. Um, I don't think I've covered this in a little while, but just kind of our vision statement has been a part of our, our DNA for a long time. It, it's, it's, in, it's these uh, four different Bs. And, and, and so um, it's the, our vision is to be a, ch- uh, a church that's a blessing to help people know that Mosaic is a place where they can belong so ultimately people would believe in Jesus so we can bring the good news of Jesus to our neighbors and friends. What does that look like? Again, we talk about we want to be a well-based culture. Uh, you know, farms in Australia, they're so huge, they can't put fences around everything, so they dig deep wells because peop- the, the animals want to stay close to those wells. 
And a lot of churches are fence-based cultures. They're obsessed with who's in and who's out. But we think Jesus is more concerned about being the living water to the world. And so what we want to be first is a blessing to our community. So how can we as a church be a blessing to our neighbors, to Maple Grove, to the cities around us? Uh, how can we be a blessing to uh, the schools, to you know, um, uh, the food banks around us, like going to Mobile Hope? That, that's the first thing is we want to be a blessing. So you can ask that even your community group, hey, how are we called to be a blessing? And ultimately, people can come in when they have questions so they can feel like they belong and say, hey, you don't have to have it all figured out, but you belong here. We love you. We see you. We can disagree on some, some things, but that's okay. Like, we're all here. We're all welcome. But ultimately, again, you have to come to the place of, hey, are you going to put your faith and trust and believe in Jesus or not? Like, right, you have to come to that place of, you know what? I'm going to surrender everything. I'm going to cross the line of faith. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's what we celebrate with baptism. And so ultimately, we want people to come to that place of saying, am I going to believe in Jesus or not? But then it doesn't stop there. Because too often Christians just get stuck there. But the next step is, how am I going to be a bringer? And so, again, living on mission with the sentness is, how am I bringing blessing around me? How, how am I bringing belonging? How am I bringing belief? And this fall, when we kick off community groups in September, I want you to think through that. Like, how am I coming to community group, and I'm going to bring some blessing, right? Am, am I going to, I'm going to bring some blessing with my words, with some food, you know, with an insight. You know, I'm going to specifically try to encourage someone's heart, you know, to pray for them. What am I doing? I'm thinking about coming to my community group. I'm going to bring blessing. How am I bringing belonging? How am I helping people fit in, feel like they're seen, they're known? Hey, I understand what you've been going through. How am I bringing and helping them grow in their beliefs in Jesus? How are we stretching each other, you know, really engaging in God's word, praying for each other, right? I want us all, not spectators, we're coming ready to engage, ready to, to uh, not just sit there, but to really show up and, and participate. That's, that's my hope and goal for our community groups this fall. Well, I'm going to close this now in prayer, and uh, I'm going to stick around here for a couple minutes and uh, up here. And as we close service, if you need some prayer, uh, I just want to be available for that. Uh, and there's no meal tonight. We have youth group here in a little bit. But if you want someone to talk to you or pray with, I'm just going to be up here. I will play some music quietly, and uh, we'll end the service that way. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are here. You love us. And God, that you sent Christ. And the result of that was joy because of his mission. And God, I pray that each one of us realize that we are sent out as well. And God, as we engage in Bible studies and community groups, uh, as we come to worship service on Sunday nights, God, I pray that we'd show up and, and not only just be spectators, but we'd, we'd come to be full active participants, coming to our group, ready to pray, ready to share, ready to encourage one another, to uh, uh, just exhort one another. And God, I pray for those people who, who don't yet feel like they have some people in their life that they can connect with, they can share with, to grow with. God, I pray that you would open doors for them to find people in their life, uh, whether that's here at Mosaic or somewhere else, or um, uh, just someone in their life, God, because we believe everybody needs somebody who's there for them. And so, God, again, we just thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for the gift of community. Uh, you created it for us, for our good. 
So let us live on mission, uh, seeking ways that we can be bringers of blessing and belonging. And we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.